Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello! Welcome to another Rich Chains Let's Square Theatre podcast. My guest is the lovely and brilliant Julian Clary. Um... We're filming more of these shows in October. You can come and see them being recorded uh, from October the 16th to November the 27th, I think. Leastways, it's every Monday at the Leicester Square Theatre, 7.30pm. Go to leicestersquaretheatre.com to buy tickets. We have no guests confirmed as yet, but uh, those will start being announced pretty soon, I hope. Um, also, we are trying to film Series 12 of the podcast. If you would like to help us do that, go to... GoFasterStrike.com slash Kickstarter. Every donation you make will help us uh, film this series and hopefully, seeing it's going quite well, maybe some or all of the next series as well. You get your hands on the Christmas Emergency Questions book. I'm sure that will be for sale after the Kickstarter has ended, but the only way to guarantee your copies for Christmas is to take part in the Kickstarter campaign. GoFasterStrike.com slash Kickstarter. Thanks to everybody who's given to that. It's uh, I'm so amazed and flattered by the speed we've uh, accrued a large amount of money. Um, we will keep making these podcasts as long as you want us to make them. That's the deal. And if you can't afford to pay, please do not feel you have to pay. If you don't want to pay, please don't feel you have to pay if you want it for free. Uh, if you would like to pay a little tiny amount, either go to the Kickstarter or gofasterstripe.com slash badges and you can make a donation. Anyway, enough of that. Let's listen to Julian Clary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is having a twirl inserted somewhere right now. It's Richard Eric. Hey! 
welcome uh, to uh, Rich Change Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, I was... Uh, I don't know if I've done this one. I was in uh, Solarium the other day. I was having a tan. Getting a nice bronze tan. And uh, all the ladies there called it rehearsed. I don't know if that's going to uh, catch on or not. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, been an interesting week. A week closer to my birthday here in... Uh, feel like I've aged a week anyway since the last uh, show. Let's have a quick chat with some people in the audience. Uh, the, 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 you were here last week, weren't you? We were talking about uh, Lego Batman together. Um, what's your name? Uh, Luke. Luke. Have you been to the show before, Luke? Uh, last you were here the last week. It was the first time. <laughs> wow, you're good. Uh, and uh, what do you do for a living, Luke? Do you, are you a film reviewer? I'd love to say there's something exciting. What is it? Everything's exciting to me. Employee benefits. Employee benefits. That is, that is very exciting to me. Yeah. What is it? What is what? What is it? Is it wanking off the employees if they've done a good job? That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, that's pretty good. You've got a. What's your name? Martha. You've got a necklace on that said that is that in case it says caramel on it, doesn't it? It's tonics caramel. Is that so? If you ever pass out and people need to know what chocolate bar is to be in state, they can just look at. Is that, with, is that what you would choose, Martha? What's, uh, you've got a necklace. We'll be moulded, yeah, it's good. I'm glad you thought about it. Why have you got a necklace saying uh, Tunnock's Caramel on it? Do you really like them? Did you have it especially made for you? No, it's from Etsy. Is it? Oh, from Etsy. Yeah, I've just heard about Etsy. We're having a, a bed made for our daughter through Etsy. Someone in Serbia is making us a bed. It's all right, isn't it? It's my, my wife's... I don't know what it is. I think we have beds here in England. Well, I'm glad you like the, the tunnock, the wafer. Do you like, the, do you like tunnock's wafer? But you don't like them, do you? You, don't know, you, know, you two don't like anything of it that each other like. You do like You do like them. That's what he said about Lego Batman, wasn't it? When you watched it, you went, that was brilliant. He went, I did like it. It's just... For what's, 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 the, what's the shittest one you've seen of the films? Minions. Wow. Is that the actual Minions film, not Despicable Me, but the, the spe- specific Minions? Yeah, too many Minions in it. You know, you want to, like, put a, min- a couple of Minions in. They're the, they're the comic relief. Don't make them the centre of it, do they? It's like, yeah, it is. It's like, it's like Shrek, the one with all the Shreks, isn't it? Too many Shreks. Anyway, look, we're going to carry... Thank you. It's been lovely to meet you. You're, you're a nice couple. I'm glad, I'm glad you've bred. Uh, that's what we've, we've learned a lot about you. <laughs> Employee benefits, eh? Is it all any employee anywhere? Can you just go in and go, well, I mate, here's a benefit, or is it specifically in the company you work in? Yeah, the companies I work for. Oh, the companies you work for. It's, it's benefits. Yeah. Don't understand. Anyway, our, um, our guest this week is probably, he's best known for lots of things, but he's probably best known for Let's Do Lunch with Gino and Mel. That's why we're here. He was our guest on that. That's why we're here to see him. I can't believe it's Julian Clary, ladies and gentlemen. Julian Clary. Come in, pull up a microphone. How lovely. How are you doing? How's the, how's the fan for you? We it's put... fine at the moment. How nice to spend some time with a proper bloke. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of my time, I don't know if you know, but I'm a homosexual. <laughs> And so I spend a lot of time with other homosexuals, yeah. but you are a bloke, aren't you? 
I'm very. I'm, you, you'll you'll learn to love me. You'll find a way through this. I'm, there you have a certain rugged charm. There is. If you half close your eyes, he looks like Richard Gere. <laughs> So, um, I'm enjoying this, it's fine. It's going to be good. I'm gonna, I hope this is going to be the whole hour of just... This is almost my dream come true. Uh, so, um, what about Gino Amel? Do you remember doing Let's Do Lunch with Gino Amel? I do, yeah. yes. I do, and he was cooking lamb. Was he? And he was trying to drum up sympathy for the farmers. He said, it's been a terrible year for the lamb farmers. And I said, it's not been such a good year for this lamb either. <laughs> I never, I never expected to use that joke twice. <laughs> this is my kind of show. That. That's good. <laughs> I've been to uh, Gino DeCampio's house. Have you? Yeah, because I, I, was trying, I was looking to buy a house and he was selling his house. Have you got that much money? Uh, well, it's, it wasn't that good a house, I have oh, to right. say. Well, it, was, it was very cheap, actually. Uh, he's, um, it was an unpleasant area. He was moving out, rightly so. I think he must have bought it near the uh, start of his career. Uh, he's got all of his... his own. <laughs> I've mentioned it before, but I don't think I've mentioned his name. I didn't know who he was, because you know, the, the estate agent was all very excited, going, there's someone a bit famous coming. And I was annoyed, because she wasn't going, I'm excited showing you around, Richard. You, Quite. Yeah. How uh, it's almost like she had no idea who I was. <laughs> and, uh, Can't understand it. I worked out who Gino DiCampio was, because he had in his kitchen he had six cookery books, and they were all written by him. <laughs> And hasn't he got six ovens as well? <laughs> he has got a lot of ovens, yeah. and he's got a whole shelf just for his sunglasses. Has he? Yeah. And my wife assumed he'd broken up with his wife because his, it was, the bed, master bedroom was just his clothes, but she keeps her clothes downstairs. Anyway, there we go. That's Gino De Campo. <laughs> it's going ever so well. <laughs> I've learned so much. But you live in Noel Coward's house. It's my house. He must be furious. <laughs> Yeah, someone misheard me once uh, saying I live in an old cow's house. I said, what do you want to live in an old council house for? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do. The, ver- the very house uh, in Kent where he had all those fabulous parties yes. in the 20s and 30s. And I've tried to recreate an element of that. But, you know, because he, he had, uh, you know, the um, what was his name? Laurence Olivier, yes. Vivian Lee, uh, Joan Crawford. Who did I get round? Christopher Biggins. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of you with Twiggy and, and Twiggy with Noel Cab. Was that both in the same house? Was that? Uh, no, no. Um, I interviewed. I did a program about oh, Noel Cab, and Twiggy knew him back in the sixties right. before he died. Yes, <laughs> uh, he's in uh, Good Night Sweetheart. He's a character in Good Night Sweetheart. That's all I know about him. Uh, so. <laughs> A little bit fierce. This is time. it too. Is it too far? Yeah, you asked it, for a fan, Julie. I can I tell know. you. It's a good. It was a good call. Let's try this. Just oh, that's gone fast. More that's gone yeah, faster. Just turn it down a bit the other way. And could you just tip no. it downwards a bit? Yeah. Times I've said that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll do anything. I'll do anything. No, 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 it's no too far again. We'll get this right, and then okay. that's good. Try. Let's try that. Okay. It's good for now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting because I'm not in the fan, so I'm getting a little sheen of you've made the right choice here. Yeah, but it's it good. Hot. It looks I've, like I'm. I've played the theatre before. I did Taboo here yeah. many years ago, and it, it's a bit of a sweat box. <laughs> but we had some fun here back then. <laughs> what kind of fun did you have? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> the old, uh, the old nose cocaine. There, that's, that's how they. 
Let me take that. Um, well, I was quite surprised. Like, there's a few things I want to talk to you about, obviously. And uh, the, the, one of the first things it says on Wikipedia about you is that you're openly gay. That, which, that's such an... I'm, I'm kind of amazed that that phrase... It's an awful phrase, isn't, isn't it? it? But that's yes. like the... I mean, it's such an odd thing to say. A, yeah, we know. <laughs> and B, it sort of implies... He just doesn't care. It's <laughs> so open about um, so uh, there's, there's a few things we'll, we'll get on to talking about that. But um, are you openly straight? I am. Well, I'm open. I think I am probably openly straight. I pro- that's the, you wouldn't ever say it, would you? I th- you know, I, I kissed a man and a guy in college. You know, so oh, now carry yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> it was Were quite you nice. Experimenting. I was a bit. Yeah, I was showing off. Probably. Did it arouse you? No, he was a bit stubbly. Which I, you know, I'm sure he felt the same as well. Yes. That's my. That was my major problem with the rest of it. Was nice. A kiss is a kiss, right? The first, well, the first man I kissed had a beard, right. and that, that was a funny experience, all that scratchiness going yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> Probably weirder things happen uh, later on. But, um... <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about the, 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 uh, the opening. It's impossible to avoid, isn't it? Um, do you find with innuendo comedy that it's hard to... <laughs> Be serious, because I saw I saw you being interviewed. And you're talking about something quite serious, and you said it's very hard. And then I imagine people just start going. I know it's it's, and it's not in my mind half the time. It's, it just happens. Um, um, I was on. I was complaining about my phone line. I was on the phone to BT, and uh, the I, and the woman was being very formal with me. And then she said, "Will you hold?" And uh, she tickled her own fancy, and she. <laughs> She was off. So it does happen, and it's, it's bound to happen. Yeah. So um, I understand. You can cope with it if people are in the middle of a series. Yeah, it'll only last for this evening. You won't be talking in innuendos no, for the rest of your career. Okay, I'll try not to. Well. <laughs> Such as it is. Such as it is. There, there can't be long to go either, so... It's... Uh, so it came out again. Oh, it did it again. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, how you got started. Uh, and because I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it. We had Paul Merton on the, the other week, and I'm quite fascinated by those early days of alternative comedy that you were very much involved in. Yes. And it sounds like you were doing... I mean, there was lots of different acts you were doing, and lots of... Well, they were, it was the same act with different names. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I first started, I was called... Um, well, I did a double act called Glad and May. Depends how far back we go. Right, OK. That was when I was at university, so that was in uh, 1980, 81. Right. Then the girl that I was... I, the, the opening line was, Hello, I'm glad, and I'm glad to be here. That's what she said. And I said, hello, I'm May, and I may be glad to be here. <laughs> that was the level. <laughs> anyway, um, Glad got a job acting, so then I was left on my own, so then I changed my name to Gillian Pieface. Yes. And that was... <laughs> I like that name. I was going... I mean, in those days, they weren't... You didn't work very often. There weren't any... There wasn't anywhere to play. There was no. a vegetarian restaurant in Highgate called the Earth Exchange. <laughs> right. And there was no stage. It was just a restaurant, and you would sort of perform standing in the fireplace... <laughs> And uh, I acquired this little mongrel dog, and I was living in a bed city in New Cross. I couldn't leave the dog behind, so I used to take her with me. And uh, she had nowhere to go, so she used to sit next to me. And I noticed that um, after a while, the audience weren't really looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) She was a very charismatic dog, Fanny the Wonder Dog, and and she became the star of the show. And... um, 
then I was, I was lying in the bath one day and I was listening, the television was on in the other room and the theme to Dynasty came on, which gave me the idea to call myself the Joan Collins fan club. And Gillian Pyface was sort of, she was a Mother Earth figure. Okay. <laughs> Used to wear a big black caftan and I would do the laying on of hands. So if you were a punter, I would yeah. say, um, I'm going to do the laying on of hands. Um, and it's not working. I'm going to have to plunge you into darkness. And I would lift up the caftan, <laughs> put it over your head, and much hilarity would ensue <laughs> on account of the oral sex imagery. <laughs> That's good. You see. So then when I... Then I thought, I don't really like dressing up. I didn't want to impersonate a woman. I wanted to be a man wearing lots of makeup. So that's when I did the black rubber and stuff. And, and yeah. Fanny's part got bigger and bigger. And at the same time, um, she used to do these impersonations of the Pope. And <laughs> the Queen Mother was one of her best. <laughs> she used to sit on a stool and I would lift up her, her gums like that. And there was a, a row of perfect brown teeth... <laughs> The resemblance <laughs> was uncanny. And at the same time, there was more and more venues, rooms above pubs and things. And Paul Merton was, was doing an act in his pyjamas. Did he tell you about yes, that? Yes, well, yeah. The man in his pyjamas. Yeah. And Joe Brand was the sea monster. That's right, yeah. And all sorts of bizarre. And it wasn't just comedy. There was jugglers and... Um, it was sort of a variety. Yeah. I feel very old talking about <laughs> Well, you're not very old. No. And no you're still looking incredibly amazing. If, you, if I'd been at college with you, I would definitely have snogged. No, you would not. Uh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have been allowed. <laughs> Security would have been called. <laughs> and um, but there was and it was again it was quite a quick transition then between that that stuff and getting that got onto TV quite, quite well quickly. it was about five years the, the yeah. we so the circuit got bigger I'm sort of jumping ahead but there were places like the comedy store and jonglers and you slowly got onto uh, better gigs and then uh, there was a show called. Saturday Night Live and the producers would, would come in and word would get around that the producers were in and one by one people were plucked from obscurity. Harry Enfield would just be gone from the circuit. <laughs> and um, what was his name that used to compare it? Ben Elton. Ben Elton. Yeah. <laughs> How quickly we forget. We do forget. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> It was a very long wait till I got my turn. And I right. think, because they, they would have a guest comedian on each week. Yeah, and and, course, and, yeah. and it, was, it, it was on Channel 4, I think. And anyway, if it went well, then you would, you'd get your own series. It was sort of as simple as that. Yeah. And um, so it was a long, long wait. And then eventually, I think they ran out of other acts to have on. <laughs> and, uh, and Fanny and I were, um, were chosen. Yeah. I thought mean, I, I was, I was going to introduce you as being the host of Trick or Treat, because mm. it kind of tickled me that you were doing a show with Mike Smith. Yes. Um, it, it was a kind of game show that you did together. It was together. a Saturday Night ITV game yeah. show with Mike Smith. But then I watched a clip of Mike Smith talking. Well, I, do you remember the clip of um, Jimmy Greaves on... Jimmy Greaves was being interviewed on um, like Breakfast Television, very early incarnation of Breakfast Television, mm. and Mike Smith was there talking about the show. Yes. And, and Jimmy Greaves, who I quite liked until this point, <laughs> said, oh, what's the, you know, how can you be on that show with that, you know... Prancing puff. Yes, I think that's what he <laughs> but, said. Uh, people would say that in those days. When I was yeah. writing my autobiography, I looked up some old press cuttings, and yeah. it, it was, you know, words like that were just, that was in the headline, get this... 
get this puff off our screens and yeah. stuff. It's just how it was. It's sort of incredible. And Mike Smith, he, you know, said, oh, we maybe do a show with you about bigotry or something. He, said, he, makes, yes, he, he came did. back at him and stood up for the, the him, show. Yeah. So I decided not to take the piss out of Mike Smith because I was, I was glad that he did that. No, I was very fond of him. Yeah. It's quite an odd pairing, <laughs> you and Mike Smith. It was. It was a strange, a strange show. It didn't come back for a second series. No. <laughs> was, that, was that sort of TV tr- trying to think, well, we've got to have someone that... that well, what was, what, how was that pairing put together, do you think? Was that, had they chosen you and then thought, we need someone who the viewers will not be scared of? Or had they chosen Mike Smith and thought, he's a bit boring, let's bring in a guy <laughs> dressed in later? I don't You know, I, no, no one told me what, no. what the producers were thinking, <laughs> but it was, it was something like... And it, I had to, it was my job to... Because I quite like uh, plucking people from the audience, to, if it's a game show. Yeah. And, but I like choosing them myself. But in that show, of course, they had to be researched. And uh, um, so it was pretending to pick someone that you actually knew all about and of course yeah. that, that didn't really work no when i did sticky moments later i said no i really am going to pick people that no one knows who they are and that worked better because um they weren't certified extrovert yes yes people well that's they, interesting because i think tv does that so much where they're trying to cover they're, they're putting safety nets everywhere and you're not really allowed to improvise i think in, in hardly any shows now you know the, everyone gets the questions in advance everyone knows who they're talking to but you don't get the awkward spontaneity that we're enjoying. <laughs> Is it awkward? No, it's fine. I'm, 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 I'm... <laughs> Just please don't lunge at me, Richard. <laughs> no need for it. <laughs> so look, I'm going to talk about this quickly, and we'll. But I think this is it. Hopefully, I can cover an interesting, an interesting angle from this. Uh, but um, it's, it's sort of weird to have a comedian and a, a career that is sort of defined by one moment so strongly. And I think, like, but I think what what's sort of interesting about the moment that you're defined by in, in a lot of people's eyes is well, there's sort of lots going on. So with this Norman Lamont thing that um, people will remember, I think, from the from the uh, from the British Comedy Awards. Um, that, yeah, well, Mandy McH made a good point on Twitter today saying that actually the, uh, the fisting line is actually the setup to a joke. That, yes, no, that, very good yeah. point because people forget, people think I just said I fisted Norman Lamont, who was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. But the, the punchline was, it was quite good for one of my jokes yeah. talk about a red box. Yeah. <laughs> just came to me on the night. It was good. But you didn't get, well, you sort of got to it and then. Yes. Sort of, it came, because everyone was so amazed in the room it plays like incredible Richard and Judy are laughing nor um, Martin and Mars they're laughing you look around all these celebs they're really laughing at this this and but obviously it was it was jumped upon by the press like and I feel like in a way that having seen the Jimmy Greve stuff it felt like this is just we've been waiting for an opportunity to get you do you not do you not because they didn't like the idea of you being openly, openly gay. Uh, so they were... Well, that's do you think so? I mean, I, th- I think they were... I think... Because it's not that bad. You see, it's difficult. We did a show two years later called Fist of Fun. And yes. we'd, we'd come up with that title before you'd said your thing. But we thought, you know, someone's going to spot that, what that's about. And no one yes. doesn't bat an eyelid. And so, admittedly, it was, a, it was a quite outrageous thing to say on live TV, I suppose. It's, I mean, it's so difficult looking... Back after all these years, I mean, how long ago was it? It was such a long time ago. Yes, ninety three or ninety three, I think. Yeah. Well, 
And it's difficult to remember the truth because, you know, you can impose all sorts of things and you think that's a good story. Um, And I think um, my take on it is that there were other things going on in my life at that time. And it wasn't all about my career. And um, so I was having a bit of a difficult time and I needed... um, Space. (laughs) So if you want to clear your diary... (laughs) ..quite quickly, that's a very good way to do it. And and having... I was... You know, I'd been on this upward trajectory and it was all a bit much and then there was my boyfriend was ill and this, that and the other. And uh, suddenly it was, oh, I was just calm down now. Do you think think there was an element that you were deliberately doing that, though? No, I think the universe was doing This is what I say in retrospect. But, you know, I I really feel like you had to explain to the people who were offended about it what it meant, right? So so it didn't... It wasn't offensive because you'd have to get... If a child went, what does that mean? Oh, it means he's punching him or whatever. Yeah. You'd have to explain it. So everyone was... And, 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 and what I slightly find interesting, I think wasn't Piers Morgan one of the people who mm. really went for you? Yeah. And then you, but subsequently you've been on Piers Morgan's chat show as well. The life stories. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yes. Was um, that a difficult decision to go on that show knowing that he sort of attempted to take you down, or was was there a? Um, well, I, I hadn't really, I'd forgotten the connection. Oh, right. so after I did it, Paul Merton phoned me up and said, "You know, he was the editor at the time." Right. So he 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 um, he caused that whole sort of furor. Yeah. But I don't feel um, bitter about it. I mean, I'm slightly bored with it. Not yeah, that I'm course, bored yeah. with talking no, about I know. it. Well, to I, you, I, you understand. No, I do understand. But I do understand. One will never escape it, and I know no. when I die that the you know the obituary will say it'll probably be you know the headline. But um, on the plus side. When Norman Lamont dies, it will also be that. Yes. And are there any modern-day politicians and extreme sexual practices that aren't really out in the open yet for the public that you would like to combine for this podcast to give us some rest? No, there's... Um, um, well, there probably are. Well, there, are, there are things that surprise me that go on now. Yes. Yes. Do you know what felching is? Yeah, well, yeah, I do. But I knew about that a, lo- a long time ago. <laughs> i say it appeals to me, but it does go on. Yes. It's, a, well, you know, wh- whatever floats your boat is what I say. That's my... Um, <laughs> talking of felching, have you ever met Brian Blessed? <laughs> oh, I'd imagine. I think I have, Yeah, yes. has he been to your house, Brian Blessed? No, no. He, he, I didn't invite him. I mean, just everyone's got a story about Brian Blessed. I wondered if you... Because I was saying last week I met... He, when I met him, he said he, wanted, he was going to Mars. Not for a TV show, for, for, for in reality. Yes. Is he really that ebullient? I th- well, I think uh, he is. Is it an act? Or is, is it like that at home, do you think? I think he probably I, is. I find I'm a bit, a bit suspicious, you know, <laughs> that, he, that it's just what's expected of him now. Yeah, well, I think... But then that's, again, that, that's a sort of interesting showbiz thing, that he's become associated... Well, he was quite a serious actor up to a point before. Yes. He was in uh, I, Claudius and things like that, I think, yeah. wasn't he? He did, he did quite boomy characters, but... He's definitely played up to it. And since the uh, Gordon's Alive, uh, Flash Gordon, yes. that's become... you know. So you're right, he's sort of playing that character in yes. real life, but I think he probably is... You can't it's blame in, him. But it's he, inhabited him, I think. I think it's him all the time. He's mar- think- is he married? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It'd be nice to talk to his wife about him if we're really that interested <laughs> in Brian Blessed. I'll get him I must on, I'll say, get him I'm glazing over. Okay. <laughs> All right, I've got, a, I've got a new emergency question, and if you can't think of an answer, I've got an answer for you, but I'm hoping you'll remember the answer. What is the strangest thing you have found in the embers of a bonfire? 
Oh. You have, an, you have a good answer to this, and I will prompt you if you can't. You, you had a piano that you played secretly in your house. Do you want to tell the story or shall I? No, I don't. <laughs> yes, no, I was... Very... Or we could just tell people to buy your book and they can read it themselves. Yes, it's quite near the beginning. I was quite shy about any creativity as a child. So, and I, my parents bought me this beautiful old piano and it was an, it was an upright. There you yes. go. <laughs> and it had ivory keys and those things with a candle. It was a beautiful piano. Yeah. And um, I would only play it when everyone was out for some reason. And I used to make up my own songs and everything. And uh, I came home from school one day and my father was down the end of the garden having a bonfire. And uh, I wandered down and said, oh, hello. And I was sticking out of it. I noticed all the keys. And they, they wanted the space in the dining room for some reason. And he'd burnt my piano. And um, I've never forgiven him. I mean, no. our relationship has never been the same. <laughs> it's strange what people... That's what it's, Weirdly, I just came up with that question. It's sort of strange because people... It's weird what people will burn... And the things you remember that people burn are always the most horrific things. But imagine having a piano and saying, I'll, well, I'll of burn he... it rather than just give it to someone. I know, that upset me as well. Yeah. He wasn't to know I've ever played it. No, you're secretly but, playing you know, it. So. Had he not burnt that piano, I, I may have had another life <laughs> as a songwriter or something instead of being a camp comic and renowned homosexual. My yeah. life <laughs> could have but been different. Elton John's piano have been burnt. I think you'd have got. I think you cared enough to go and buy another, get another piano. Yes. Yeah. I no, think I've, probably... I've since bought. I've now got Noel Coward's piano in okay. my house because it was for sale. I thought that'd be nice. Bring it back to where it used yeah, to yeah. be, and I assumed the moment I sat in front of it <laughs> that I, I would come back to me and I would start playing um, one of his lovely tunes. Yeah. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's a Nothing. shame, isn't it? No. <laughs> it should work like that. Good question, isn't it? The embers of the bonfire. You know it. You know it. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you uh, another. I'll ask you another emergency question. It's going to be a random one, and I hope it's not a terrible one. What's, oh, well, hang on. What's this book then? This is my book of emergency questions. They're very popular amongst these hundred people oh. in this room. Has it, has so it been published? Well, I've, pu- I've self-published it. Oh, of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> But it's you know it's doing it's doing very well it's doing all right and you get more you get more money if you do it yourself so it's just a book of questions it's a book of stupid questions and I was uh, what is the sexiest TV puppet I was going to ask you oh this is the sort of thing students would like yes isn't it? it is <laughs> now you're getting it <laughs> so is that my question yeah the sexiest TV puppet if you had to have sex with a TV puppet oh please <laughs> if you had to be attracted to a TV puppet. Is there any TV... There's some... Tri- there was one of the Thunderbirds. They had lovely eyelashes. I can't remember his name, though. I reckon it was G- Gordon Tracy. And was he in a uniform? Yeah. No, that would do yeah. the trick. There's a lot of... There's a lot of... The, there's yes. a lot of the... You get all the Thunderbirds together. Really? I wouldn't bother with brains so much, maybe. No, you'd, you'd have liked Lady Penelope, I wouldn't blame, you? Yeah, I, I liked the... Uh, there was I, Well, I quite like Zuki from Fireball XL5. He was sort of a creature rather than a, a human okay. of any kind. Well, there on... was also Aquamarine. Do you remember Aquamarina? She was nice. Yes, I remember the tune. Yeah. Yes. And she was like a mermaid. I think she was based uh, on this... I think... The, the... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Both based on the, what's her name, um, the wife of uh, the guy. Come on, you're my, you're my nerdy. What's, what's, yeah, Jerry Anderson's wife, Sylvia Anderson. I think they're both based on Sylvia Anderson. So I'd like to... The, the poor woman over there is a terrible view of me. You can only see my back. And who is that with you? What's your name? Lovely... Yes. How are you? How old are you, Tom? Uh, 42. 42. You're never too old for a hoodie, are you? <laughs> That's amazing. The way you sensed him there behind you. <laughs> you knew I in. You did. You didn't even see it. He's in the dark. He's behind you, and yet still somehow. <laughs> I so used to do jokes on, on the circle. I used to j- do jokes about bald people. Yes. And uh, sometimes you couldn't find a bald person. I used to go right to the back of the room to find a bald, ba- yeah. bald man in order to say, um, <laughs> you haven't got much hair, but you've got a lovely head of skin. <laughs> not really worth the trouble, but... <laughs> needs must. So, um... <laughs> You can, I'll let you have I that. I think it's got quite small print. It has for the, it, it, for the some, 50s. some of my older, and I'm 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 nearly fifty myself, so I'm finding it a little bit myself. Uh, I didn't I didn't. Are uh, you having a, like a fiftieth birthday? Uh, well, I, well, with so much is going on that I don't think we're going to do anything because I'm what? moving house and we're you know we're doing Edinburgh and you're moving into Gino's house and we're not we're moving into uh, a, a, a different place. Thankfully, oh, you've got to do something for your fiftieth. Um, I don't think we were. It's so I went to my my mum was eighty uh, yesterday, and the day before we had a, I had a meal with my family to celebrate my fiftieth, even though it was a little bit early. So we sort of done a little thing. A meal. I, yeah. <laughs> I've accepted my age. <laughs> no, Coming around for a meal. <laughs> It was very nice. Okay, no, I, I think was... you'll regret that there. I think one ought to mark the decades. Well, I did, I did one for 40, and then I just got very unhappy. I was very unhappy about turning 40, and, um, and, I, and I got very drunk. And, like, it was sort of all the ghosts of your past come back. You know, and like, you invite everyone, and then the girl that I'd been seeing recently t- turned up with this very handsome actor, and then someone else was there. There was someone, at my, there was someone I really liked who I'd been out with, and then we'd split up, but I still liked her. And she turned up with a guy who'd been out with someone else who I'd really liked and had then gone out with him. So it was this weird thing where this, you know, all these ghosts of girlfriends... Were you crying in the toilet? I, 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 more or less, I had to be taken home. Very sensitive. Yeah, I'm very sensitive underneath it all. Um, (laughs) I'm very sensitive. uh, A little tip for you. Yeah. 
Don't invite your exes to the next <laughs> party. You I've realised that might now. Have a better time. That's what I've realised now. So I'm going to go out with my wife and daughter and for go a meal. For, we're going to go for. We're going to go to the rain. I, it is going to be two Tell meals. Tell me you're not going to a harvester inn. We're going to. I'll just kill myself now. We're going to the rainforest cafe for lunch. Are you? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, and then my wife's taking me somewhere nice for dinner. But we go, we're going to the science museum, I think. I went to the British Museum on my... <laughs> different folks, different... So you take cocaines and I go and look and at some old things. Whereabouts is your new house? It's in Hertfordshire. OK. It's Can you be more countryside. Well, no, because these people will come and find me. You know, <laughs> I don't want them to know where I live. Is it town or country? It's a little, vi- it's a little village in Hertfordshire. It's kind of near to Hitchin. Okay, I bet they're thrilled. <laughs> you never guess who's moved in down the range. <laughs> I tell you, what happened, the last time I was there dropping some stuff off, a lady was walking her dog past me. She said, oh, you're moving in here? I said, yes, yeah, yes. Um, your, your in-laws live in uh, Welling, don't they? I said, yeah. She said, yeah, and uh, you're not moving in until the end of June, which I thought was the case. She said, yeah, yeah. I said, um, yeah, we've always been talking about you. I, I had to look you up on the internet. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> But they are quite sure nosy in village. I yeah. live in a village. And, you know, they like to mix and mingle. And yes. they like to try and involve you. Yes. They'll be opening the cat's home before you know it. Yes. Do you manage to get out of that sort of stuff or do you, do you get involved in that? Well, I'm quite good at, at being unfriendly. <laughs> um, I'm not afraid of an uncomfortable pause. If, if people ask me something I don't want to do. I don't want to do. So, um... I said, no, they've tried, but I, I've, I've, I've beaten them off, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Well, um, I'll try and do that, but yeah. We'd, but we went, to the, we went to the fete. There was a summer fete, and we went there, and no, we'd, uh, nothing happened at all. We didn't get to talk, talk to anyone, so I, I, think, I think I'm going to be fine. I think if it was you, there might be, <laughs> there might be some issues, but luckily I've managed to stay Paul under O'Grady, the radar. Paul O'Grady lives in the same village. Oh, see. There are a lot of homosexuals in the village. <laughs> there really ought to be a cull. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and you're, you're, I like Paul Merton. Did Paul, Paul, did Paul um, write uh, uh, Terry and Julian with you? Yes, he, yeah. he wrote Sticky Moments with me. Sticky and moments. He's terribly clever, Paul, as we know, but he's yeah. very good at writing uh, jokes that... Uh, you know, in, in my line of business, yeah. and uh, and the work worked really well. So um, I don't know how he does that, but he, but he does. Yeah, well, he's, you know, well, he's a studies comedy, doesn't he? He's, a, he's yes. a big student of comedy, and you you do lots of just a minutes as well. What did he write? Joke did he write for me? Oh, this was for a radio show. Okay, I don't know if this is worth repeating. <laughs> We're in a restaurant. The scene was in a restaurant. I said, "I'll have the chef's special," and no. do you want the chef special says the waiter and I say yes but let me have my dinner first something like that that was one of Paul Merton's jokes there was another scene in an army barracks and the sergeant major said to me top or bottom and I said let me get unpacked first (laughs) the joke along similar lines (laughs) but we have to credit Paul Merton with those I'm glad so did you, do you what what it, it, it seems kind of an unlikely pairing of comedians in, in a lot of ways the two of you but you obviously have hit it off he talks very warm about you as well yeah no he makes me laugh yeah. and uh, and he he always has and yeah. when we we used to come around to my place I would buy a packet of fondant fancies yes <laughs> <laughs> and we'd have a meal 
<laughs> do some writing. This is why I look like I do, because I like eating food and not taking cocaine. Uh, I don't take the, cocaine anymore, no. could I just say. No. The quality these days. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, your books are slightly about that. But you, you wrote your book when you were 45, and so it's about that. So it's the same thing. My show's about turning 50 and feeling your, you know, you've entered a new continent, I suppose, isn't it, where, where the, the a things you... A new what? A new continent. I sort of see it as I think being young and being old, you're on two continents, and the older continent is the continent of the incontinent. And, uh, you know, but things have changed. You drift apart, I think, don't yes. you? From, from, and you can't go. Well, some people do go back into that. Some 50 and 60 year olds do still dabble in that. Uh, yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, now, I quite, it just sort of evolves, and pe- people often say to me in interviews, don't you miss all the lycra and the makeup <laughs> and the dressing up? And uh, you sort of don't. And then, you know, you wander down Old Compton Street some Friday nights and you see some sad old queen <laughs> squeezed into something unsuitable. And you think, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. Yeah. I mean, you sort of, it's about maturing. It's interesting, I think, as a comedian, it's sort of about maturing, but also you retain that. It's, the, it's a silly job and it's a childish job. Yes. And it's the, but it's the, it's the positive side of childishness, I think, that, is, that the good comedians have. Well, you so, never really grow up. You, no. know, you have your inner child, don't you? Yes. And uh, it's always accessible. Well, you still feel the same as, you know, you still feel like you're young. <laughs> but you're, and, but yeah. I think it's about, you know, I, I got, in the show, I, in my show, I, I've got a complaint letter from someone who says, you know, I'm a nearly 50-year-old man who hasn't grown up and is an embar- will be an embarrassment to my children for being so old and that sort of thing. But I sort of go, that's sort of the act. <laughs> that's the act. You've is just this the show the you've just done? Or no, it's the, new one. it's the new one coming up. So. Oh, so how long do you wait between shows? Not, I, well, I, I tour and, in the spring and then I write a new show in like six weeks and then keep on working on it as I'm touring it as well. So I'll do Edinburgh, I'm doing Edinburgh and so far. I'm, I'm, amazingly, because I, I do them all every so year did, now. you did like, what, 50 dates or something? Yeah, yeah. In the and spring? The, well, I'll do 50 dates in the spring and I'll do a bit more, 60 or 70, and I'll do Edinburgh usually and do... So it'll be a previews. new show for Edinburgh is what yeah. I'm saying. So I'll preview it and then I'll do Edinburgh and by the end of Edinburgh hopefully it's good enough and they've got enough ideas to then make it 90 minutes. And then you do until. another tour next spring? Yeah. But they're no, the same show. So I'll tour that show and then I'll write a new show. So I, I don't think they're here to talk about I my... I like <laughs> to wait about three years. Do you? I always think people get sick of me. Yeah. If you keep saying, it's me again. <laughs> they, they do. Yeah, they do get sick of me. <laughs> I, think they, I think my audience have sort of worked out a kind of rotor system. It's like arable farming, where they'll go, right, you go this year. Yeah. Let me know if there was anything good. It'll do a best-of show in four or five years. We'll, we'll see if it comes up. I, 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 really, I, I, I really like to... Well, because I think my shows are always a little bit different as well, so it's not... And this is probably a, a bad thing. I don't think I've completely settled on a persona. So I can, do a, I can do a political show, and I can do a silly show, and I can do a, you know, a thoughtful show. So they're all a little bit different, but they're mainly about me masturbating. <laughs> that's the, if, there's, if there's a theme to my work... Um, well, that's the thing, isn't it? When you turn yourself into a product, <laughs> yeah. as we do, you mm. just have to keep talking about yourself... It's funny. It's a funny life. You get quite self-absorbed. Yeah, but that's that is sort of what it is. I mean, my it, my husband everyone. works in an office, and you yes. have no idea what he does. <laughs> <laughs> He's tried to tell me several times, but I'm so bored. 
But I saw you in one of your interviews talking about how he gets up and goes to work and you're in bed and then by the time he gets home you're in bed again and so you only see you lying down. He works very, very hard in whatever it is in this office. (laughs) Gets up, goes to work... Uh, at about 7.30, and yeah. I'm in bed, comes back after midnight. I'm in, there was a six-month period where he never once saw me standing up. <laughs> I was just a prone figure under the duvet. <laughs> but that's, it sounds like that sort of suits you. It's nice to have the commitment, but still be... I think you, you're quite a... You like, you like your own company? I do. Now, we're neither of us very needy, so no. that is fine. And I try, I think it's important, to try and remain faithful. Yes. But there are times... <laughs> I was at the car wash the other day. <laughs> you know how erotic these car washes are? Five or six swarthy men leaping all over you with hose pipes and squeegees. And I thought, I, I, I knew I, this is wrong. I knew it was wrong. And for a start, we haven't got a car. <laughs> I was uh, with my married. I've been married for five years, and you know, I sort of think it's it's nice to be faithful, as you say. But like, I don't get any offers anymore. So, in a way, what's there's no there's no kudos in being faithful if no one's interested. In it. You can't. You can go. Yes, I haven't slept with anyone because no one's interested. No, you're not. So you're... you know, you need to be have the temptation uh, to be able to go home and go. Yes, I've successfully resisted the temptation. Otherwise, it's not an impressive virtue, fidelity. And who did you marry? I married uh, my wife. <laughs> it's worked out very well for us. Uh, she's a, uh, she was a comedian and she's a children's author. She's oh, called really? Katie, Katie Wilkins. Oh. She's lovely. And you've got children. We've got a child and another one on the way. Breeding going it on. It is. It's late in life, but... Oh, this is why you've got to keep working, isn't yes, it? Yes, it you've is. Got, <laughs> you've got responsibilities. It There'll is. be school fees next. Uh, do, well, we'll hopefully not have to do that, but we'll see. But hopefully the education will still exist in four or five years' time. I think it's one of the things that they're... It's not that important to, like, basic NHS and fire services. It's not that important to the Conservative government. Um, and have you got any pets? Uh, well, we've just got a dog, but we haven't, I've only met it once. We're, it's still with its mother at the moment, so it's a puppy. It's a... Uh, it's a... Uh, we've got, we got a cat that I have had for a while. No, go back to the like. dog. What's the dog is a husky crossed with the German shepherd. Oh. Oh. <laughs> It's don't, a big dog. Don't go and collect it. <laughs> it's big, it's going to be big. It's cute at the moment. I don't like huskies. They can not? be vicious. No, one attacked my Valerie a couple really? of years ago. Yeah, grabbed her by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. But anyway. Well, you know, it'll protect us from small dogs, which is a same. good thing. <laughs> and we got, we got a cat. We had two cats, but one of the cats died. Oh. Uh, quite young. They were rescue cats, and they were a bit, um, they'd been interbred. So they were... He's very stupid, our cat Smithers. I wish he died... Out of the two, if one of them had to go, if it had to be one of them, the other one was lovely. Uh, I quite like him, he's very stupid. Let's do an emergency question. It'll save us, it'll save us. Yeah. So it's a good ruse, isn't it? Because it's a plug for your book. It is. Well, (laughs) if you could have all your teeth replaced by psychic orbs that could tell you all future events by telepathy, but would scream at a high pitched volume every time you opened your mouth. Would you go ahead with the teeth replacement operation? Could I have the question again? Yep. <laughs> if you get it's quite I'm surprised you haven't been asked this before. If you could have all your teeth replaced by psychic orbs, so they're they're 
spheres, but they're teeth-sized, I'd imagine. But they're psychic. They're psychic. They can tell you all future events by telepathy, so they'll just beam into your mind everything that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, but they would, if you opened your mouth, they would scream at a high-pitched volume every time you opened your mouth. Would you go ahead with the teeth <laughs> replacement operation? It's a perfectly valid question. Okay, so it's sort of yes or no answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think probably not. Okay. That's all I need to know. I'm quite psychic anyway. So yeah, are I you? I don't need orbs. I, I get little twitches. Do you? Yes. What, what have you predicted? I can tell when someone's pregnant. Okay. Before they know themselves. Okay. And I can tell when someone's dying okay. oh, before they know themselves. <laughs> and I can tell when someone's lying as well. Okay. I don't know if that's psychic. It's just... Yeah, well that's, but that's, that's an em- empathetic thing. How, have you, am I going to be... Am I doing all right? I kind of worry about dying because I've got tiny children. When's your 50th? Uh, 12th of July. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I won't make it. No, you'll be fine. Oh, well, okay, thank God. Now I'm just going to go and run in the road and stuff because you've said I'm safe. Is it like that? If I can, can I take danger? Can I do dangerous stunts now? No, it's it's more when people are ill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn. Damn it. And uh, well, you've got loads of things coming up, haven't you? You've been, there's a play that's been written for you. Yes. Le Grand Moor. Was... Yes. The director Chris Renshaw phoned me up and said, "Did I think I could handle?" No. <laughs> <laughs> Did I think I could cope with a two-hand or something like that? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> it's terrible life, Richard. <laughs> Trying to imagine. think up filth all the time. <laughs> um, no, I'm doing it's 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 play um, that someone wrote for me. Yes, and we're doing it at the Trafalgar Studios. Sure. Uh, it's starting in September, and I, I you know, I think because I, I don't want to get bored. I think it's important to stretch yourself. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> Just ignore them. <laughs> Making up their own jokes yes, now. So I don't have no idea if I can do it. It's proper acting required, apparently. Yeah. And, uh, but you've done plays before. You've done the Taboo. And... I did Taboo and I did uh, Cabaret. cabaret yeah. I played the MC in Cabaret. But um, the trouble is, you know, because I like like we do you just chat away you know vaguely what you're going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't really matter what order the words (laughs) come out in and um but if you're doing musical theater people are quite precious you know and if you (laughs) if you say the words in the wrong order or in a different inflection they've completely their performance is ruined (laughs) and um I was bored in a matinee and there was a bit where I was on stage as the MC and someone walked, this boy had to walk past and I had to say, willkommen. And I was bored, so I thought <laughs> I'd change this. And I said, how common instead? <laughs> and I was called to the company manager's office right. and given a dressing down for uh, changing the words. Yes. So, so, you know, I understand apparently in, in the real theatre, you can't do that. And do you worry? Cause I'm also worried that someone's going to cough and I'll say, oh, you'll need to suck a fisherman's friend <laughs> or something like that. So it's a very small venue and the audience will be literally where you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, I just think it's, it's doing the same thing every day and not being allowed to change it. Yes. Is, uh, that's what I would be scared of about taking Yes, I, I am I'm quite scared yeah. about it. Yeah. And it's a dark um, comedy, but... Um, you know, there aren't that many laughs in it. <laughs> so, and it's because it's very reassuring, isn't it? Getting a laugh. Yes. I can't understand how you can do um, like Shakespeare, where you 
on stage for two hours, you've no idea if anyone's enjoying it or not until you get to the end, and then you get your applause. <laughs> yes. So that went well. We kind of need the reassurance. Well, but it's a... It's a uh, that's what's interesting about comedy, and that's why it's interesting when people tell you you're not... One isn't a funny comedian, you know, if someone complains about you. So we literally have every night a barometer of whether we're funny or not. We have a literal, you know, jo- someone's marking our work as we go yes. every single night. So you know if it's not working, if it's not funny. Uh, but, yeah, as an actor, it must be quite nice because you kind of don't have to, you know... Oh, I, you have I'm, to feel I'm, the silence, I suppose. Yes, I'm dreading that, though. yeah. That's interesting, but with say, but with the pantos, which is a, still a, a a form of play. Oh yes, but you can do what you like in panto. You're allowed to mess around. There's, there's no fourth wall. That's no. the whole point. Yeah, is constantly. I mean, you come out of character and you can talk to the. Would you mind keeping your legs slightly closer together? <laughs> trying to work here, and then you carry on with yeah. the show. Well, and what's quite interesting, I mean, I do find it interesting that. Um, that history of that, that kind of the pantomime thing and the camp thing in pantomime, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing because people are, in the past when homosexuality was illegal, people would come to the theatre and, and see that sort of comedy and Kenneth Williams and all that sort of stuff on the radio. Yes. It's kind of interesting that people enjoy it in a theatrical situation, you know what I mean, and, and accept it. Um, but it's also quite interesting that you're doing very, very risque jokes in front of families and children. Yes, I know. I did this. We did the Panto at the Palladium last year, yeah. and uh, I had a scene with the aforementioned Paul O'Grady, <laughs> yes. and uh, and we came on, and, and he was playing the Baroness, and I was Dundini, and uh, how did it go? It was something about. Um, Oh, how lovely to see you. Um, do you remember, we worked, we've known each other for years. Do you remember um, when we were in the circus together? And I said, <laughs> yes, I was the human cannonball. I used to shoot over the ringmaster's back. <laughs> and it's quite, you know, yeah. a strong joke. Yeah. But they couldn't touch you for it because, you know... <laughs> it's an innuendo, it's got double meaning. And yeah. uh, we would look askance at the audience. <laughs> but that's... I find it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating that that's, you know, when I do, when you play festivals of stand-up, you, you know, there's often the families in the audience and you kind of have to decide, am I going to do my set or am I going to leave because I haven't got any jokes that work for five-year-olds? So I just do the set and people will get very, you know, will sometimes get upset. I'll say at the beginning, this is going to get racy. It's up to you if you want to yes. stay in. But it's, it's sort of interesting that you can go to a different environment. And I think that sort of is in, what's interesting about that, you know, the Norman Lamont thing is that that was still in that panto tradition, really. Yes. It's, you know, and it's, that, that's, that's what's... It's crazy that that was picked up on, really. It was. Um, but I do... I write books for children as well. Yes. And, so I, yeah. and I was doing a, a children's book event in Hull yesterday. What a shithole that is. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So it was a lovely... I really enjoy it, you know. I, I read from the, from the books, the bowls, and yeah. the artist, David Roberts, is there, and he draws on a visualiser. Anyway, it's all yeah. great fun. And, um, but I have to be careful, you know, uh, that I don't cross that line. <laughs> and there's a bit where I take questions from the darling children. Yes. And um, so I was question, question, and I said, um, would you like me to go up the back? Meaning, a question from... <laughs> but there were a couple of parents that laughed. <laughs> I thought unnecessarily loudly. But that's, 
<laughs> that sort of stuff. I mean, what is joyous, I think, as a parent is when you can go and see something that works on those two levels. Yes. So, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily be rude and but well, there's, there's adult stuff on this. Because I write them and my, um, my editor is paranoid that I'm going to get some filthy innuendo <laughs> slip through that she hasn't noticed. Yeah. And to the point where, and I, I don't, don't, you know, but she is she was furious in the second book there's a character called Roger the Sheep. And it was, honestly, it was not intentional. You just can't help yourself. It wasn't, no. I thought Roger would be a funny name for a sheep. We had a very stern email. <laughs> All the comedians are writing books now, but you've, yours are, yours, you've been doing this for a little while, haven't you? This has been... I'm obsessed with it, yes. Yeah. Once you've created the, the, the characters, because it's about a family of hyenas. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a story I made up when I was eight years old, and I didn't have any friends at that time <laughs> for reasons I won't bore you with. But I was in the garden, and I used to watch the family next door, and they were a very hairy family. Mother had this lovely hair, and the father took his shirt off in the summer, and he had hair all down the back. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if living next door was an f- animal, a family of animals? No one knows except me. And, uh, and then they, they were laughing one day, and they had a very loud, cackling <laughs> laugh. And I said, that confirms it. They are a family of hyenas. So um, when they said, write a book for children, that was the story I came back That's to. Great. And um, I've written, there's three published now, and I've just finished writing the fourth one. And there's going to be a fifth one, whether they want one or not. <laughs> And will it become a TV show and a film there's, and a cartoon? There's talk. I mean, who knows? It's yeah. not, there's a lot of talk about everything, isn't there? But yeah. um, anyway, I don't care. I just really... Uh, I've written adult books, which takes it out of you, you know. It yeah. takes a couple of years, and it's blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, children's books, about 25,000 words. And, uh, and I just regress to being a child when I'm writing it. So and, and I, I just have a lovely time. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was... The, the, the book is, you know, there's... It's, it's, you did have a difficult, difficult childhood. I mean, the school you went to sounds appalling. Oh yes. Um, and they, then, well, like right at the end of the chapter, there's a lot of. I don't know if you want to talk about. It, there's a lot of unpleasant. You went to school with monks, basically. Benedictine monks. Yeah, which is never a good start, is it? No, Saint Benedict's kneeling. But about well, about half of them are in prison now because they were. Oh, they were all done for molesting boys. I was never molested, but. Uh, and I, it's interesting what you know and or sense as a child because yeah. I was. I was. There's one one monk mincing around, Father David, and. Oh, it's suspicious of him, even before I knew why. Yeah. You know, he was always um, coming in and out of the latrines. And uh, anyway, he's just got eight years. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of uh, corporal punishment. Oh yes, they like to beat you. Each monk had his own weapon. Yeah, um, it was the seventies, not that long ago, but it, it was true. They, one of them had a strap, one of them had a cane, and one of them had a cricket bat, and one of them didn't have any weapon at all so part of the ritual for if father edmund wanted to beat you you had to go and see father harrison and get the cane so you had to walk right the length of the school carrying this cane which he would then beat you with and uh, i was only beaten twice um once for forgetting my swimming things right uh, which was my loss because i liked swimming yeah and the other time was when a boy called robert hines stole father gregory's strap 
And uh, he, Father Gregory said, if, if this isn't returned, I will beat the whole school. And uh, we said, oh, don't give it back, you know. And so he didn't. And so we were all lined up around the playground and uh, we were all beaten. It was called a mass execution. <laughs> but we only got one each. And I went to the back of the queue because I knew his arm would be quite tired <laughs> <laughs> by then. Yeah. It's, it's sort of astonishing. I, mean, I remember when Court Punishment was made, like, illegal. Well, yeah, school. it wasn't soon after. And I, the, well, I, me- I remember, like, we, I can't remember if I ever got it, but there was, pe- you know, kids were slipping at primary school. And this was when you were quite young as well, wasn't it? it was through, middle school, was it? Was it, was it? No, right was the way it, through. Yeah. Was it right through? But it's just that, the idea of an adult, like, who's meant to be educating well, they and a religious it. person. Well, it was part of St. Benedict's rule yeah. that, that he said that boys must be beaten if they do anything wrong. Yeah, uh, but it did. You know, it did attract um, dubious people <laughs> to the vocation. Yeah, but they asked you to if you wanted to make a contribution. <laughs> now you were famous to the oh, school. They did. Yes. <laughs> Which you told to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, look. I think we might have to. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And you? Who'd have thought? <laughs> I knew we'd make friends. Um, <laughs> uh, but thanks so much for, for coming down. It's been, it's been really fantastic. Uh, coming down. Uh, and uh, no, fantastic. Going down would Going down, yeah, that would have been better. You know, you're the master of it. I can't. I haven't talked to you. You farted in front of the Queen. I forgot about that. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Julian Clary. <laughs> Richard Herring, that's the Spare Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Julian Clary. Um, the music's by Pess. We do it at the Left Square Theatre. Thanks to everyone here. And also, everyone go past the stride and British Comic Guide and iTunes and all the other places to put it up. Thanks for helping out, guys. It's been all right, isn't it? Here's the producer, uh, is Ben Walker. And it's a fuzz. Go past the stride and Sky Potato Production. Head to richsharing.com slash gigs if you want to find out where I'm playing and if I'm coming near you at any point. Go to gofasterstripe.com and buy some stuff. There's an emergency questions book there. It is good. Thanks for listening. Go away now. Please leave. Goodbye. Thank you for coming. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.